Does anyone need to do a, have anything to say before we begin? Anything off the record? Anyone needs to get off their chest? I had a dream that I went to McDonald's and got a Travis Scott burger last night. <laughs> oh, <laughs> why is that off the record? <laughs> I do morning pages and I start with what I dreamed about. So. <laughs> <laughs> when my archives go to a museum, <laughs> this is going to be. <laughs> in your dream, did you just like walk in and order it? Or did you pull up at the drive through roll down your window and just start playing sicko mode? Yeah, I did. I started. And then, of course, I said, you know, well, Cactus Jack sent me. And that was that. <laughs> you know why? You know why I'm here. <laughs> How was the burger? Did you I don't remember. It? I don't remember. It didn't have a. Like there was no dream meaning assigned to the flavor of the burger. I got confused and thought you actually had the burger. Well, maybe I'll go get it. IRL. Yeah. yeah. If you dream that you went to McDonald's and got a Cactus Jack burger, it is now your imperative to go get a Cactus Jack <laughs> Make burger. Make my I mean, dreams whatever, come true. <laughs> you're going to unlock. Whatever your purpose is here is about to be unlocked. I wonder, I wonder who sold more, GQ September issues or McDonald's? Travis Scott meals. I feel like it's neck and neck. Yeah, I hear. I hear, I like I hear America is running out of paper as a result of. It's the true. It was yeah. like a massive paper shortage. Not enough trees. I think yeah. we have a slight disadvantage because the postal service is broken. But like for sure, the demand there are more orders placed for ours than the burgers. Like you and know airports the, are empty. You know those yeah, Chick Fil A uh, billboards where where the cows are like eat more chicken. They've actually now they're saying buy GQ because they they're like God stop stop with these Cactus Jack burgers you can get your Travis Scott fix from the September issue yeah stop and the September issue cow children it the September issue comes with like a bunch of different dipping sauces yeah. <laughs> instead of perfume ads they're just uh, welcome to corporate lunch this is. Um, the friends only customer service fashion podcast from GQ. And um, we got a full hack today. Will's here. Hi, Will. Thanks for joining. Hey, hey. It's good Great to be back. Feels man. so good to be home. Um, it is indeed episode 108 of Corporate Lunch. So no, it's, it's 107. It's 107. Next week will be 108. They said we couldn't, the haters said we'd never do it. And look at us now, thriving with beautiful hair, beautiful hats. Um, beautiful new things to talk about, which brings us to the first, today's first order of business. <laughs> Very pregnant pause. I like that. GQ's, um, first and only ever quality issue. Although every issue is of high quality. Where to begin? Jonathan Majors. Nikki had a really funny, um, Nikki Oganaki, our deputy fashion director had a very funny Instagram yesterday where she was like, the quality issue. We started this shit in February. Like, please read it. It took so long. Um, and yeah. I was laughing because we have been talking about this thing since the very beginning of the pandemic. And the timing of it slid around a little bit. But um, I mean, pre-Jonathan Majors, it was really like a massive fashion project. Right. You know? And through the early stages of the pandemic, we were talking about like, what does it mean to be in the work from home era and locked in our houses and like to be a fashion magazine or to be making fashion or to be writing about fashion every day on GQ.com when we're all stuck inside. And from that kind of came the, like we evolved this idea of something that we kind of already stand for and have already been talking about a lot. Um, which is quality and the stuff that really matters uh, rather than hype and disposability and like FOMO Instagram shopping. Right. It's like a way of addressing, I mean, not just sustainability, but kind of like all the big issues and concerns we all have, I think, regarding our roles as consumers, right? Like both as, as citizens of the earth who, who all have an interest in keeping it going uh, in, in tip top shape as best as possible, but also as just like people who have some amount of ability to contribute to like what's being made, you know, like there is some amount of control over, we have some say in, in what's being made and how, um, and like kind of like seizing that 
harnessing that power a little bit. Yeah. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, I feel like what this project was about was taking what we already stand for and like getting really clear about it and then creating a whole issue based on the thing that we kind of do like by proxy all day, every day through yeah. all of our platforms. But like, let's, let's get, let's like really crystallize it and make a print issue. That's just about that. And so uh, the, those of us here on corporate lunch and the other style and fashion editors at GQ got together and we were like, okay, what are the, what are the, what defines quality? The quality that we're writing about on GQ.com every day and shooting on our talent and all that, we're, we're doing it all the time, but what actually is it? So we came up with these parameters, which is design vision, craftsmanship, tailoring, brand ethos. Am I missing one, Noah? Sustainability, basically. Well, the whole Which thing is kind of like a is, a, is a sustainability project. Yeah. But it's like, oh, I remember when the idea, all right, can I back up? Sorry. Yeah, please. Okay. Then I'm going to shut up for a minute. I was sitting in, <laughs> I was at the fashion shows in Milan and I was sitting at a show, which uh, I'm going to elect not to name. And one look after the other was coming out. And about halfway through the show, I just got this like voice in my head was like, don't make this collection. Like don't <laughs> produce a single stitch of this goddamn collection. Like it ha this collection has nothing to say. Nobody needs it. And we all need to st stand up right now and agree that not, not one stitch of this collection should be produced. Like it does not need to exist. And then the next day, um, uh, it was kind of like a moving, like game-changing thought. Like, which of these things need to exist and which do not? And then the next day, a brand. I was I was at a um, showroom appointment with a brand, and they were like the whole the whole um, this huge space was full of clothes, and then they were like, and here's our sustainability project, and there was like six pieces on a tiny little rack, like huge studio full of clothes six pieces on a tiny rack that were that like were dyed with like dye that washed off from the other clothes that they made yeah <laughs> and i was like oh so this little rack is going to save the earth and then the rest of this is what like what it, and and so those two things combined just like lit a fire like created an urgency around like we have to make a clear declaration about this and then what you know the more I pay attention to the way that the more I come to understand the way that the luxury fashion world works and frankly, just understand the way that like capitalism works, the more you realize that like the, the, the valuation of all these brands is based on percentage of growth. It's not based on like raw profit. It's about how much did you grow this year relative to how much you grew last year? And, and, and that, you know, that's the way our whole economy works. And as long as that is the way that brands are measured or the success of businesses is measured, they're just going to keep producing more and more shit. Like that's just all there is to it. They can never, they can never stop making more shit this year than they did last year. So <laughs> Rather than, and then they're going to show you their rack of six pieces that are using like dye that ran off of the other like toxic clothes that they made. Yeah. And so I was just like, all right, let's not worry about what brands are doing because it's not their job to save the earth. It is their job to like grow and be profitable. And let's turn back to the GQ audience and say, let's all together raise the bar on the shit that we buy. And that, so rather than celebrating some brand because they like made a pleather pair of socks, Let's turn to our audience and say, buy less shit. Only buy shit that matters. Only buy shit that has a distinct voice. Only buy from a designer that, unlike that show that I was sitting at where they shouldn't have made a single stitch of it, where that, this person is expressing a unique design uh, vision. And if you don't buy that piece from them, you can't get it anywhere else. Like that is actually sustainable shopping. It's not just about buying, it's not about buying sustainable collections. It's about buying shit that is actually distinct. So anyway, long-winded, this is not a podcast so far. This is a monologue. 
I'm self-conscious <laughs> about that fact. We can make but up this, for lost time. These these were the thoughts and conversations that like kicked off the idea of let's make this issue. I found the I found the receipts on <laughs> January fifteenth. The first oh, really? email about the quality issue. And I yes. January fifteenth. Yeah, yeah. Nikki needs to update her post. What we was started- the subject line of that email? An idea. <laughs> we make it look easy, but um, the the core sort of piece of the quality issue, the quality list, which is the list of 50 brands that embody this idea of quality that we're talking about. I think we met approximately 1 million times to <laughs> come up with those 50 yeah. brands. It uh, was it, out. it looks it looks it looks effortless and um, totally totally easily put together, but it was actually there were some pretty heartbreaking uh, discussions, some intense arguments. Um, we really threw down, you know, people were throwing down on behalf of brands that they uh, were pulling for, you know, it was, it was the product of a lot of um, spirited discussion and back and forth. I thought of a brand in the shower this morning that I was like, Ooh, they're not on the quality <laughs> list. Fuck, that's going to be awkward. <laughs> Can you say who it is? Can you- no, I don't want to. I don't want to like, I don't want to like make it. Yeah, sure. I don't want to make a bigger deal of the fact that they're right. not on the list. We were and I'm not saying that I'm not necessarily I'm not saying they should be. I'm just saying I realize they're not. That's different. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, hopefully There's always next year. When sure. you when you make something um big and ambitious and just to clarify like the timeline which I don't know, you know, like most print magazines operate at about a 3-month-ish lead time, meaning we're thinking deeply and intensely working on things that will come out in about three months. So the, you know, this started in January and is coming out this week. Um, you know, that's a nine, 10 month lead time. We could have had a whole baby, a whole human baby and birthed it. <laughs> Essentially we did. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan majors. <laughs> Our large uh, adult son, Jonathan majors. Yeah. Yeah. He came out with the beret on. It was great. Um, <laughs> So I, you know, the, the process of this was intense and I don't know, this is maybe not such like a cool thing to talk about, but as an editor, you like really crave big, ambitious sort of definitive projects, you know, like there's, there's a million really juicy, fun stories to, to write and, and edit and assign and have launch on Twitter and, and um, set the world on fire for a bit. But I think having something that you think will kind of hang around and has serves a bit of a different purpose is is sort of a special thing to be able to do. And that's absolutely, I think sort of like this started, Will talked about how this began, but then it was like, all right, well, what do we do with that idea? You know, is it like, and I think the idea of making it a list, which we don't do, we're not like known for our listicles necessarily, I wouldn't say. Yeah. <laughs> but I think this totally warranted it. Um, I think 50, you know, it's like the, the, the format here, the container this thing is in perfectly serves the idea. It, you know, they're, these are the 50 that really deserve, I don't know, you know, they deserve your money. They deserve your attention. If not your money, then someone else's money. They deserve to make stuff. They deserve to have stuff in the world. They deserve to, you know, um, use DHL to, to route things around the planet. You know, like there's so many pieces, I think, of like what, what it is we're saying about these 50 and they also just make like, man, that's a hilarious way to think about it. Like this brand does not earn its DHL mileage. Like do <laughs> not ship this person's terrible clothes. Yeah. Like don't ship, don't make them. Don't ship them. Don't market them. Don't wear them. Don't that would be a really box. nice sustainability protest for DHL. Sorry, this collection <laughs> is whack and we're not going to be shipping we, this. We, we will not ship this. Absolutely not. <laughs> You know, Sam Hine, Sam Hine's just at the door of the warehouse. Like, no, sorry, we can't. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. not. Shut it down. Shut it down. Part of what I think is really cool about this list as well um, is that we have like the mix of brands on the list is really incredible. And so I think on the one hand, it's like, like I wrote this piece um, or I talked to Honey Dijon about Dior and like, I've always really liked Kim Jones. Like I think what he's doing is really great, but she like opened up this whole understanding for me of why, like what Kim Jones is doing is so interesting. So on the one hand, it's like, we have like a really big fashion brand, but that's like sitting alongside like Emily Bodie and like Martine Rose and like, you know, Yan Yan Van Esch and like designers who maybe some of the readers. Levi's. Is, yeah. Yeah. 
Um, and I just think it's really cool that hopefully you'll learn about some new designers, but also kind of understand these larger fashion houses in a new way. Yeah, to yes. say a little more about the, just to be really clear about the basics of what we're talking about. So what it says on the cover of the issue is the quality issue, buy better, buy less, our guide to the 50 fashion brands that transcend hype and deserve your attention. So what we did is we just got together like once a week for weeks and weeks and weeks, starting with a master list of like hundreds of brands. And then we just Zoom fought over which ones should make this list of the 50, the quality list, the 50 brands that transcend hype and deserve your attention. Exactly. That's and how it went down. And Noah was kind of the, uh, Noah was kind of in charge of this. The brand project. master. The, the brand boss. master, yeah. You can, I, my new title is quality boss. Um, for as long the as- quality, quality control. Johnson. <laughs> quality control, yeah. So there's 50 brands and then I think like another important sort of thing about this project is that we didn't do like 50 Wikipedia entries for all these 50 brands. I mean, Rachel was just getting at this. There's, we found like all these different interesting little ways in to each one to address the like, like kind of the reason they're on the list. You know, like with Honey Dijon, I think one thing she really got at is Kim's relationship to like, culture to, to street culture and art and that's something he's really like brought to Dior and that's kind of a such a huge piece of the story there and that was really intentional you know and like for Levi's Sam talked to Tremaine Emery um, friend of the show past guest because you know he collaborates with Levi's he wears the hell out of Levi's that's the whole reason for his nickname and like I think rather than going to, you know in that instance he was kind of like the person who can really speak to the quality of Levi's in a way that we felt like resonates and is relevant and kind of matches like the tone of this whole thing, which is like, we're not just taking kind of like bullet points some brands and telling you what these 50 brands are doing that's like good. Um, it, it's, it's, it has this kind of like this layer or this complexity to it that I think hopefully is just really compelling and makes it really fun to like spend some time with, but also does the work I think for these 50, like making the case kind of for these 50. Yeah, like Levi's, sure, you can, we can be like, founded in San Francisco in 1849. Or you yeah. can be like, this Tremaine Emery, who's like a, one of the most stylish people in our community, wore Levi's until they looked like they were crying. So his, <laughs> his, his name is Denim Tears. He yeah. has worn many pairs of Levi's into the ground. Let's see what that's about. And that is our expression slash that's what inspires us to think of Levi's as quality. And that's also how we express the quality of Levi's is, is those things. There was a moment, um, I know how this sounds, but um, it's really about y'all, not about me. So I feel like I can, I can sound the way I'm about to sound. There was a moment where Noah sent me the first draft of the full quality list. And I read through the whole thing in one monster sitting. It's 30 pages in the issue. So that's, that's no small sitting. I read through the whole thing and I was like, this is the best fashion writing that is happening on planet earth right now. It's Noah, Rachel, Sam, Nikki, Mark Anthony Green, Cam Wolf, Sam Shuby, the whole GQ squad, like writing and then doing interviews like Honey Dijon and Tremaine Emery and so on. And I'm just like, this is, this is like the cutting it. This is the best, this is the best fashion writing that's happening. Like any website, any independent fashion magazine around the world, I'm including all of them. And ours is best. Uh, Sam, Noah, and Rachel, just for the record, are looking at me like, yes. <laughs> what, what, like, are we supposed to respond to that? We, we do that and we know that it's true. I mean, it was, the project was, was a beast. And it, you know, it's, again, this is like not necessarily typical for us in terms of like the scale and the timeline and the, the range of what we were doing. Not, I mean, it's solidly in our wheelhouse. It's absolutely what we do, but we don't do many of these a year, you know, we don't, um, I haven't even done many of these in the, in, since I've been at GQ. Um, well, no, this is by far the biggest thing probably I've personally worked on. And I, I think, uh, well, it's 30 take, pages, it's a I'll monster. Take, I'll take the compliment, Will. Thank you very much. And I just, I'll just say, like, yeah. I mean, we we put in the work, so I'm glad. I'm glad it shows. I think there's like another 
We also put on the fits. Yeah, we did. Well, that's <laughs> to say, the GQ staff is photographically represented in the quality list. We thought that if this is really the shit that we believe in, then we should actually be seen wearing it. So yeah. you have our own Rachel Tashin and and absolutely I'm gonna make up a grunorm it's a grunormous <laughs> Yoji fit. It's grunormous. <laughs> Sam Hine doing what Sam Hine does in Bodie. Noah Johnson doing what Noah Johnson does and Evan Canori. Me wearing Yan Yan Van Esch. M-A-G. Rick Owens. And Rick. Nikki. Mobilaji. Yeah. Nikki and Ralph is like, that should oh be the next God, cover bro. of the, <laughs> the magazine. I, she looks so beautiful. It's perfect. It's like a the perfect issue was one. sitting on my counter and my wife was flipping through it and she was like, <gasps> and I was like, what? <laughs> and she was like, this person Nikki on your team wearing Ralph Lauren. And I was like, yeah, she's amazing. This, this project, I, we're just going to keep going here. So for, for those who like behind the scenes um, media podcast, which is what this is. Um, for those who don't, um, I don't know. Skip to episode 108. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, keep listening. Something really totally cool and unexpected is going to happen at the end of this episode. You're, no one's going to see it coming. Anya is going to call. <laughs> <laughs> He's calling um, in. He wants to talk about record contracts. One thing about working on print projects this year in particular has been just trying to keep up with like the news cycle, the, the, the election and then the protests and then the COVID of it all. And it's like, you're constantly sort of trying to anticipate or make sure that you're, you know, there's just this balancing act that we do every time we do something like this. But this was a really interesting one because the concept never the, the core idea here is super important to like all of the, the current events, things that, that are happening that are like just rattling um, every kind of narrative in all these ways. And it was kind of amazing to just like, like we said, if this started in January, on January 15th, we weren't, oh, well, we all know what the world looked like then to some extent, you know what I mean? And as it's evolved, like as, as sort of, COVID really hit, this just became kind of more important, you know, like there was just this idea of quality. I just, I remember like this starting and just being like, wow, quality is really going to be like the word of the year, you know, like people, or to me in any way, I think it's like the awareness of consumption and the, the situation, the unique and trying situations that, that, that everyone are in is like, just makes this feel that much more urgent. And then I think, um, and then the protests similarly, I think, gave a new, I don't know, like a new layer of meaning or something to this, you know what I mean? But also had us reconsidering it in new ways. Like each time there were these like world shifting moments, we had to like reconsider the list and it just kept getting like tighter and stronger. We never had to tear it down and rebuild it. We were kind of like on the right path all along, but it's pretty interesting. I, I guess what I'm saying is how this reflects all the stuff that's happened this year because we've been making it while it's been happening really. Yeah, um, it's it almost like the texture the texture of quality what it means, what it represents, the exact shape that the list might take has evolved as this like crazy fucked up historic year has unfolded, but the the idea at the core of it of quality itself being what GQ cares about first and foremost is like unshakable. And in fact, has only grown to seem more urgent right. as the year has unfolded. Because you can imagine how many people, how many like magazines and media outlets have been scrapping projects that they were planning because they were rendered completely irrelevant by the events of this year. Exactly. Or just like hilarious and stupid, you know, something you might have been excited about that just no longer seemed like we can't with everything going on this year, we can't be talking about that. Are you crazy? Whereas quality has only like risen in importance. And, you know, part of what we have is like, okay, so I sent that first email about this idea in January. I mean, now I realize it was, it was in January because it was at the fashion shows in January yeah. having the idea. And then, um, and, but the pandemic hadn't started yet, but the pandemic of climate change was already here you yeah. know what i mean and hopefully we'll get a vaccine and covid will 
you know, no longer be the threat that it is now, but like the climate apocalypse that is happening in California right now, like speaks for itself and quality answers equally to the both of those things. Like, what are you going to buy? What is the stuff that's actually worth your money when there's 50 million people unemployed and we're all stuck at home? Right. That the answer to that isn't that different from what are you going to buy? What do you actually need? What should be produced? How are you voting with your money for the stuff that actually has value at a time when like, you know, the earth is on fire. So it works on all those, those like short, medium and long-term levels, like all at once. Question for the group, maybe zooming out, like putting the kind of the issue aside for a second. Have you, how have you guys been thinking just in your lives along the lines of what we're talking about? Like, have you guys had a quality awakening of, of your own with regards to what you wear and how you spend money and who does your hair and whatnot? Personally, just working on the quality list got me thinking so much deeper about all the stuff I already have than I normally would. Like I've, I had sort of gotten, I realized in this pattern of like buying a new thing, mostly just wearing the new, like the last like five things I'd bought and then kind of moving on to the next thing. But then like I interviewed Tremaine about his Levi's that he wore for like seven years every single day (laughs) until they were falling off of his body. And I thought I have like, you know, five or six pairs of vintage Levi's in my closet, most of which I basically haven't worn in like a year. I was like, okay, you know, what am I doing? You know, why am I not wearing these like beautiful vintage Levi's to death instead of, uh, you know, and and why am I sort of thinking about like, what is the next pair of jeans I'm going to buy? So it really like caused, I think, I think it, and so all those little conversations that sort of occurred along the way as we're putting the quality list together, um, were super helpful in terms of just like refocusing, you know, where my head is at, um, in terms of what I, you know, what I'm wearing, um, and it's, it's like, it's like gotten me to sort of explore my wardrobe, you know, in, in a much, in a much like deeper way, I think. Um, and I, and I, and I, I think it really comes through in the final product. And I, you know, I think the quality list is like, it's such a cool, like challenge to our readers to, to do the same. Sorry to sound ditzy, but the, the, what's exciting to me about that isn't that you were like, oh man, I had a conversation with Tremaine and he really guilted me about buying new stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I should just go, you know what? I shouldn't buy that next pair of jeans I want. I have perfectly good jeans. Mm-hmm. The right thing to do is to go back and buy them. I mean, go back and wear those and not buy the new th- Like, I'm sorry, but that isn't, like our generation is not going to work that way. Right. The reason he sent you back to your closet is he was like, wearing a pair of jeans Levi's until they fall off your body, off your bones until they like crumble off your bones is the fucking coolest thing. The coolest way to wear jeans. Yeah. You know so I mean? much cooler. Yeah. And, and so I don't know. That's what this is really about is, is about um, it's about having better style in the end, not feeling guilty and trying to like Kumbaya the planet. And I think, I think all of us have been, you know, whether it was at fashion week in January or whatever, had been feeling like on a personal style level that the seasonal, like almost like keeping up with the Joneses of like what fashion people were doing, like was, was getting so tiresome. And, and, and I was, I was personally feel like every time I showed up at a fashion show or a party or event, I saw like the same people wearing the same stuff from the same collections, same season like there was a sameness in, in, you know, and everyone was trying to keep up with everyone else have, have the latest like Prada shirt or the latest, whatever. And I mean, that's, that's how, you know, the, the sort of like influence influencery fashion scene has worked for years now, but, but there was something that started feeling so like gross about it and just sort of so like uncool um, over the last couple of years. And so I think, um, yeah, on a personal style level, there's like so many good lessons to take from the quality list. What I was hoping to accomplish is there is like beautiful, singular stuff out there. Like buy that. Don't spend another, like, again, 50 million unemployed. Are you going to buy like, like garbage, garbage hyped up shit? 
are you going to buy something that matters and that lasts and was and was designed by a visionary and created by like real people who know what they're doing it's like raise the like demand more for your money that's such an important way to think about fashion i think because so many people have there's so the hype side of fashion that sam is talking about is like for so many men it's like all they see of fashion especially ones who aren't like super into it but are kind of curious about it and i think trying i think that's made a lot of people sort of say like okay well this is like not for me <laughs> um like i'm never gonna wait in a line at supreme so like this is like not for me and it's interesting i like back when you could go to parties i used to go to a lot <laughs> i used to go to like a lot of these like launch parties for you know very i won't blow anyone's spot up but like leftist magazines and <laughs> i would always ask the editors who made your clothes and they would tell me because they would be, you know oh rachel like writes about fashion well like what crazy thing is she wearing and i would be like well who made your clothes and many of them were wearing things by designers and fashion brands that I know to use sweatshops, which I think is crazy because it's like you are an editor for a leftist magazine that purports to care about labor practices. And you're wearing a t-shirt that you got from a fast fashion brand that it very, you know, publicly uses Bangladesh factories. So I think that this is like what I, what uh, part of what's so interesting, I think about this list and like the approach that it takes to thinking about fashion and that kind of like singular, uh, those singular like special pieces, you know, is that it shows you a way to engage with this stuff that sort of like brushes away the, the like garbage of hype. And yeah. it's sort of like, here's what we're really talking about when we're talking about like this t-shirt or these sneakers or, you know, and this my, my favorite novelty thing about, knitwear brand. <laughs> no, totally. And my favorite thing about the fashion world right now and GQ's point of view on it is that there, the, <laughs> this thing is full of really fun brands that make shit that gets a lot of hype. So we're yeah. not being like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. It's time that we all wear... Uh, this is not like menswear 2007 hashtag menswear 2.0, where it's just like, uh, you know, what did somebody carve this thing out of stone? Yeah. There's still like super expressive fashion in here, like super avant-garde silhouettes, call it like the whole thing. But it's people who like have a real vision. And again, if if a brand makes stuff that you can get from somewhere else, like cut off its head, it's not on the list, you know? Yeah. Um, so when we say that, when the cover is like, you know, 50 fashion brands that transcend hype and deserve your attention, it does not mean like a bunch of boringly, a bunch of boring stuff that was like really hand chiseled, yeah. you know, it's not about that. It's about monastic robes. <laughs> exactly. Although there are some monastic robes in there. Thank yeah, God. Yeah, there are. Yeah. Well, I was just going to ask if there are any brands that you guys got newly obsessed with from the list. Um, I don't, it's hard. newly obsessed. How do you mean? Like there's a, well, I, I just got really into Martine Rose. I was like, yeah. wow, yeah. she really is the best designer in the world. I was thinking <laughs> and she's on our cover. So. I was thinking Martine, like there's some like kind of some low, like Ziggy Chen is another one. That's sort of like a, a name you don't hear all the time, but when you really dive into what he's up to, it's, it's like, it's pretty compelling. Um, there's a lot of those. I mean, Rachel's been, um, you know, been been sort of inspiring a, a certain Yoji Sants for a while. Yeah, um, the Yoji Sants. And uh, I recently purchased a Supreme Yoji uh, button-down shirt, which is which is a, a collaboration between two quality list brands. So it's That's extra true. quality. I told Rachel and Sam this the other day, but I'm so mad about Supreme Yoji because it broke my eBay saved searches and like grailed searches. So now if you try to, I, like, I'm not really interested in Yoji Supreme. None of it is for me, but I do have, I do f somewhat frequently search for vintage Yoji. And now all you, all the market has been so flooded with Yoji Supreme that for like weeks now, the search results are just broken. My real hope for the quality list is it is it just dials up the Noah Johnson and all of us. <laughs> like Noah semi famously, yeah. Noah semi famously will um, uh, 
just get like v- like visibly disgusted by a garment <laughs> just like there a look of sheer disgust like the idea that somebody would spend money that they worked hard and earned on something that is just absolutely at base level revolting to anyone with a conscience or a sense of taste. Like if we could all get a little bit of that out of the quality list where we're just like, hold on, let me get this straight. You went to work, did the work, worked for two weeks until a paycheck came on Friday. The paycheck (laughs) hit your account. And then there was a whole world of stuff out there and you, a person with a thinking rational brain chose to buy something that is absolutely disgusting. (laughs) Like if we could just wipe that off the face of the earth, that would be one of the most sustainable things that we could ever do. And that is what the quality list is about. That's And it's different. It's different. Noah, I think you're occasionally, occasionally some of that attitude is mistaken for snobbery. And I think it's quite different from that. Yeah. It's actually like, like um, what it's actually what should be a basic expectation on earth, which is that you only spend your hard earned money on things that are worthwhile like that. There's nothing there. There's nothing snobby about that. That is like one Oh one. And it would also like make a huge impact on our planet. So one thing I would say about that is there's so much good stuff out there. You don't need crap. You don't need crap. And we're in a golden think, age of good stuff and exactly. a golden age of crap. In <laughs> yeah, it's a dual golden age. It is. <laughs> and uh, you just have to choose which side you're on, the good stuff side or the crap side. And um, putting this together made me really realize that we are in a golden age of quality, that I think it's the result of globalization and years of, of industrialization that so much stuff is so well made. Um, and reasonably priced, just relative to like the, to to the, all the history of of manufacturing clothing at any kind of like mass scale. Um, so there's a great danger in that, which is the amount of of waste and crap being made. But then there's the the good side of that, which is the access we have to to what's really good. So you just have to like to make those decisions. I think one thing I hope that word that can come from this is that people all learn to develop just like define quality for yourself develop your own idea of quality we do it we do it in sort of a broad way to encompass this big 50 brand list but i think individuals can narrow it down for themselves and one of the most satisfying things i that i sort of discovered in doing this is what will hit on which is just like design singularity you know like i think a lot of people want quality to mean like this thing will last forever or this thing is really inexpensive and it will last forever like this idea one man who's 86 years old and has been doing this since he was you know his father's father's father taught him how to do it in a small mountain village he made this for you fanny pack and it's a fanny it's a fanny fanny pack with blinking lights on it yeah or just like familiar (laughs) you know like alden shoes or something like there's a lot of very like familiar kind of mainstays of quality that yeah. You just have that repu- it's almost part of their branding is this reputation of quality. It's not necessarily, I mean, you could break it down. And I'm not saying they are or aren't quality. I'm just saying like we we sort of intentionally didn't like let let things reputation speak for them in, in this case, you know. And I think for me, what I really landed on as being super important to quality is just that that idea that like you can't get this from anyone else. Like it's good, it checks all the right boxes in terms of like it's it's ethical and nicely made and the fabrics are nice, but like lots of people can do things ethically with nice fabrics, but this is, you know, Craig Green, Martine Rose, like Yan Yan, Evan, like a lot of the, the ones that I was most attracted to are really do feel truly like singular. Even, um, even, and that's not about the like independent spirit awards. Cause even, no, yeah. even Patagonia and Levi's make shit that you cannot get from anywhere, anyone else, Definitely. which is weird, but true. Yeah. Like if you want a pair of Levi's, you if you want what leave what a pair of Levi's does for you, you have to go to Levi's. Right. <laughs> Which is crazy because there's 17,462 denim brands on earth. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm very proud of is I do 
I feel like this is um, a lot of time magazines will like embark on editorial projects and they will like spin off into their own world so that the editorial project is working according to its own logic. <laughs> we, we literally dress by this list. Yeah. There's not a single brand that I wear that isn't on the quality list, except for a couple that do really specific things that um, they don't make like head to toe wardrobes. So they right. were kind of like, they weren't um, considered basically on like a technicality. And then within the quality list, I also have my own quality list. And I'm basically just, it's, it's fun as like a magazine editor to be like, Oh wow, that's like a really rad piece. But if they're not on my quality list, I'm just not going to wear it. And so I don't buy it. And it's one of the ways to like really hone a sense of personal style and to like create a wardrobe and also to be thoughtful about what you buy. Like you could show me, you could show me a piece of the Yoji Supreme collection, which I haven't seen yet right now. You could like screen share on the zoom and show it to me. And there's just no matter how much it blew my mind, I personally am not going to wear it. It's just Yoji Supreme is not on my like personal one man quality list, even though both brands are on the quality list, you know, and it just like helps you edit the world, which is like what personal style is about. What brands is everyone wearing right now? I'm head to toe RTH. Evan, Evan, Evan I'm head to toe Evan Ganori, but I just got this new hat. <laughs> it us. It it's us. Nice. What about you, Ray? Sam is wearing, I'm wearing Marine Serre. We're literally all wearing quality lists. Sam's and Bodie. You know can tell without asking. Yeah, and I wow. definitely don't dress up for Zooms anymore. Not for you guys. <laughs> yeah, fuck this, that. Is, <laughs> this is not a coordinated uh, intention. This is just this is just Tuesday. Does anyone have any uh, person? <laughs> I was going to ask if anybody has any brands that didn't make the quality list that they're personally heard about, and then I just thought of Sam and Chrome. <laughs> <laughs> then I went to the, I went to the mat for Chrome. You yeah. did. I went to the mat. It, it really didn't have a snowball's chance in hell, but no. it was nice to see you on the mat. I just your, debased for myself team. for that brand. <laughs> there are some really, really tiny brands. Like I love the French brand Casey Casey that just makes like, makes like extremely crunchy white, not white, but cotton t-shirts and pants. Like there's some brands that are really specific and really small. Casey Casey is one of them that didn't quite enter the conversation partly because it was like, I was the only person in the room fighting for them, you know? And it was like, if no one else in the room is wearing or hearing of this brand, like it's not going to get all the way there. And I think that's pretty, um, that's a pretty sound way of, of getting there, but I don't know. Yeah, and like there was a brand that we talked about that that we were talking about that basically just wears sweat makes sweaters, and you're like, that yeah. it's not an accessories brand, which we also weren't including. We didn't do watches, we didn't do shoe shoemakers, we didn't do accessories brands. And if you kind of specialize in one thing, it was kind of like not the, you didn't quite make the criteria. It kind of needed to be like a head to toe full look fashion yeah. brand, right? Yeah. Isn't it funny also how like for such a long time, you could, like saying something was sustainable in fashion, everyone just rolled their eyes. And it's kind of hard to remember this, but this was really true until I would say like mid 2019. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, all of those fall 2019 shows, every single designer was like, this is sustainable. I'm doing this sustainability thing. I'm doing that sustainability thing. And it was really strange that all of a sudden it, it didn't become, or it became not uncool, I should say. Totally. Although in its like, in its shift in many ways became uncool. Like the, the sort of greenwashing element of a yeah. lot of the, those efforts was really um, troubling. But. Well, that was a result of the fact that you basically had, to, no matter what you were doing, you had to start by talking about sustainability or mm -hmm. you just, it, the idea was that you were clueless and that's what creates all the greenwashing because of course people weren't really doing that, but they just knew they had to like pay, pay lip service. It's interesting. I have some, some cynical thoughts on that, but I really <laughs> think it has to do with, with um, big surprise with like the Marine Sayers of the world becoming 
the hottest brands on the planet without putting sustainability first, but it was one sort of like obvious thing that could be the secret sauce. It's like, what makes Marine Sarah so great? So you're like a big creative director at some big brand or, or whatever, marketing team. And you're like, why is everyone going crazy about this tiny little designer who does this really specific thing and that you can't kind of wrap your head around it and the sustainability because Marine Sarah is doing all this upcycling very early on. It was like one way of understanding her project and a thing that could easily be basically mimicked by a bigger, a bigger brand. I mean, they can't do her like upcycling, but they can take the yeah. messaging. They can take the messaging a little bit. So I think there's sort of a positive spin on that, which is like as young designers take their place as sort of like leaders, these ideas are going to have to become mainstream, like at, through them as the vectors, you know. Totally. But what Marine Sayre did is built a brand, like um, among the like cornerstones or the like foundational building blocks of her brand was just like a presumed we don't even have to talk about it it's yeah. just it's there from the it was like the clay that the cornerstone was made out of was sustainability and then the the what gets funny is when brands that are already built on you know toxicity are then trying to like inject that thing back into does that make sense close enough definitely it's, yeah. it's just so much different when it's just like oh this is just who we are and what we do and it was always that way and it's it's part of the foundation that we built upon yeah you can't just reverse engineer it exactly um, you know or but then there's a, another funny thing is so what if a big huge brand decides to reverse engineer it and they actually if it actually changes some things about the culture and what they're making then that is good too i mean like there's something a little gross about the way they got there. You know, you still want to sort of like resent them in a sense or, but I don't know at some point, like the, the, the industry at large needs to make big change. And that of course includes the biggest players and hopefully if they can get beyond the greenwashing piece of it, even if it's from pressure, this kind of pressure we're talking about, then that would be good. Yeah. But the, what this issue is all about is, fuck them. Who cares what the brands are yeah. doing? Yeah. Like, fuck them. We yeah. don't expect anything of them. We don't expect them to save the planet. We don't need their caps or their sustainable capsule collection. Like we aren't fucking with any brands and we're not spending any money with any brands that don't pass an enormously high bar for greatness and for quality. Yeah. And that is the most sustainable thing any of us can do is buy better and buy less like yeah. full stop. Like, fuck them. Let them make whatever they want. If, if nobody's buying it, if, you wanna, if we really want to change what they're making and how much of it they're making, like, let's buy according to the values outlined in this issue, which is buy better and buy less. That will change, that will change anything so much more than the biggest brand in the world completely overhauling its, its sustainability practices. I Just would. That, that idea that, that the like, bar- We have the power- the idea that the bar is really high, I think is an important one. And it's one that's easy to forget. Like keep the bar fucking high. Why would yeah. you don't you're giving, you're exchanging money that you worked for, for something that needs, it needs to be worth that work you did. You know, those two weeks you worked for that paycheck, probably several paychecks it took to save up to buy the very expensive thing. Cause good clothes are expensive. Like keep that bar super high. Um, yep. And whatever that like means to you, there's no, I think like sometimes it's, I don't know. I think this was like a big declaration of that, how high that bar is. And I mean, that's always been important to us, but I don't know. You can always remind yourself, like it shouldn't be fucking easy for these brands to get your money. Don't make it so easy for them. Yeah. Don't be a simp. I think like uh, one thing that can really rearrange your head in a positive way is um, if you think about, like, oh, we all know there's an election coming up. Everybody's like, vote, 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 vote. If, we, if you think of money as your opportunity to shape the world around you and to vote for essentially the way you think the world should be configured, if that's how you spend your money, it can like be really life-changing. So when it's just, a, it's an awareness thing. It's like when you spend 45 bucks to fill up your car at the gas station, you were voting for cars and gas and so on. When you spend $6 on the Travis Scott McDonald's meal, you're saying, I want McDonald's, I want McDonald's to proliferate 
And I think the Travis Scott McDonald's meal was a great idea. This is the, the world that I want to see is one that has McDonald's and it's got Travis Scott value meals. Uh, <laughs> when you buy a um, pair of upcycled Marine Sayre pants, you were saying, I want Marine Sayre to be a success. I want her business to thrive. I want upcycling to be um, a core of fashion. There's so much shit already on the planet. Let's get it and let's reuse it. When you buy, um, I don't know, when you buy a watch that will outlive you, like that thing will tick precisely long after you're dead and gone. You're like, you see what I mean? You're like organizing the world for better and for worse, according to um, how you think it should be every time you spend your money. And if you become conscious of that, I think it can be pretty game changing. So Will, you're saying there can be ethical consumption under capitalism. Oh, shit. <laughs> or I'm saying we were born under this system and here's the best way to move through it. Don't send for Until brands. When as when a consumer, born. I think it's ethical, but I don't think that, that that is necessarily an endorsement of capitalism as ethical. I know, but you're, you're should, the way it should be is like, you're born and you get a Marine Sarah like baby suit that you go home from the hospital that's paid for by the government. Like that's just <laughs> how it should be. Yeah. But until we get there, this right. is our solution. This is our solution, yeah. Work, just make eat. money, and then vote with your dollars. Eat your Travis Scott value meals in your dreams. Or eat your Marine Sarah baby suit <laughs> and see what happens next. <laughs> All right, folks. All of the vibes um, for this week's episode, episode 107, um, are uh, the close friend only vibes that are in, located in the October issue of GQ and on GQ.com. And um, uh, our apologies to Kanye West. We, we actually ran out of time and we're not, we're not going to be able to take his call this week. So let's, let's text and we'll see what is on the um, calendar for next week's corporate launch and we'll see if we can get your call in then. And back on. Um, DM, make sure you DM Sam Hine. Dive into the quality list um, in print and on the website. And um, DM Sam Hine all of your complaints. Um, why is Who it my is your quality here? list? Yeah, make DM, your, DM your quality list. Your quality list. Um, you fucking live by it. That's right.